It may come as a huge surprise to those of you who know me. I don't wait well. I actually prefer action. I like things to happen quickly. Boredom, for me, is a four-letter word. My favorite movies are the action movies. My favorite music has a driving drum beat and a hammering s snare. I like things to move quickly. Excitement for me when I was young was barreling down a mountain at a 45 degree angle with the seat of my bike somewhere around my chest because that's how steep things were. Most people sit on, you're absolutely right, Frank, but I'm from BC. How many can relate to that desire for action? Few of you. Some of you are more contemplative. I grew up in an action-oriented home. My dad used to say, opportunity favors the bold. When he was doing something, he would often be heard saying, don't just stand there, do something. Oh, you have my parents too. <laughs> I recently heard a story of a medical center. It was a training hospital that trained some of the best trauma specialists in all of the United States. And in the room that they did seminars with these new doctors, above the door that went out into the trauma center was written the words, don't just do something. Stand there. Hmm. Patience in the face of an overwhelming pressure to act. We've been talking about worship. We're talking about how worship shapes us, our relationship to Christ, our practice the way we live our lives. We've been talking about how worship reshapes our perspectives, our understanding of who God is, and even who we are, and even what the world is. Worship opens our hearts to receiving the promise of God, penetrates even some of the most darkest areas of our lives, as it brings healing and restoration, grows our relationship with Jesus, and even leads to a courageous faith. This morning I want to consider how worship unshackles our future. Don't just do something stand there. <laughs> what am I talking about? I want to talk about Moses. The life of Moses. Moses was a don't just stand there, do something sort of bloke. He is part of this larger story of Israel at the time under oppression from Pharaoh. Of course, the story starts with this redemption movement of God as Joseph sold into slavery an act of jealousy and rage of his brothers ends up turning everything on its head as the people of Israel are restored and redeemed and protected in this land 
And then scripture tells us that a new king came to power, one who didn't know about Joseph and what he had done. He started to feel the threat. He wanted to take and shape things for his own purpose. And he begins to force an oppressive system over the people of God. In the midst of that, Moses is born. At a time when the king, Pharaoh, was killing all the newborn Hebrew boys. Of course, he's put in a basket. He's rescued by a princess and ironically grows up in Pharaoh's court. But you see, Moses is a don't-just-stand-there-do-something sort of guy. So one day as an adult, he sees uh, an Egyptian slave master oppressing one of his people. He then steps in and murders this Egyptian. And of course, everything flips on its head. He gets expelled. He flees for his life. And he spends what feels like an eternity basically raising someone else's sheep. And then one day, he runs into the most bizarre sight. A bush on fire that doesn't burn out. He has a confrontation with Yahweh. He's called into service. He's commissioned to do something on behalf of God. He is going to confront Pharaoh. Of course, the story moves through a series of plagues where God and Pharaoh go head to head through Moses, eventually leading to the death of every firstborn human and animal of the Egyptian people. It's known as the Passover. The king is brought to his knees, loses his own son. And the Egyptian people en masse, they just want them to go. I think I would too. Story goes on, they leave, they're going out, they're going out because they're wanting to worship God. But Pharaoh changes his mind and pursues them with this great army, and they get trapped between the sea and this force of violence. And God performs a miracle, and they escape. It's a beautiful story. Charlton Heston had this fantastic look with his flowing robes. But the problem is the movie loses something. It forgets a really important part of the story. Because right smack dab in the middle of the scape, people leaving, they've got all this jewelry and wealth that the Egyptian people have forced on them. And by the way, you can force wealth on me. I, 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 I would be okay with that. But they flee. And right there in the middle of the army pursuing them and them leaving the country and moving toward the promised land, the narrative inserts worship. Don't just do something. 
stand there. A pause to reflect in the presence of God in a moment where most people, normal people like us, might want to say, God, (laughs) they're coming. What are we doing? The story goes like this. And the Lord said to Moses, dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites. The first offspring to be born of both humans and animals belongs to me. So Moses said to the people, this is the day, this is the day to remember forever, the day you left Egypt, the place of your slavery. Today the Lord brought you out by the power of his mighty hand. On this day in early spring in the month of Abib, you have been set free. You must celebrate this event in this month each and every year after the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Hivites, and Jebusites. A land flowing with milk and honey. For seven days the bread you eat must be made without yeast. Then on the seventh day celebrate a feast to the Lord. Eat bread without yeast during those seven days. In fact, there must be no yeast bread or any yeast at all found within the borders of your land during this time. On the seventh day you must explain to your children, I am celebrating what the Lord did for me when I left Egypt. This annual festival will be a visible sign to you like a mark branded on your hand or your forehead. Let it remind you always to recite this teaching of the Lord. With a strong hand, the Lord rescued you from Egypt. So observe the decree of this festival at the appointed time each year. This is what you must do when the Lord fulfills the promise he swore to you and to your ancestors. When he gives you the land where the Canaanites now live, you must present all firstborn sons and firstborn male animals to the Lord, for they belong to him. A firstborn donkey may be brought back, bought back from the Lord by presenting a lamb or young goat in its place, but if you do not buy it back, you must break its neck. However, you must buy back every firstborn son. And in the future, your children will ask you, what does this mean? You will tell them, With the power of his mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, the place of our slavery. Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, so the Lord killed all the firstborn males throughout the land of Egypt, both people and animals. This is why I now sacrifice all the firstborn males to the Lord, except that the firstborn sons are always bought back. This ceremony will be like a mark branded on your hand and your forehead. It is a reminder that the power of the Lord's mighty hand brought us out of Egypt. In the midst of a moment where we would think we should be doing something, God says, stand there. And then he gives them these instructions to be mindful of what is happening in our midst today. Don't just do something. Stand there. I think there's three things worth noting for us this morning. First, 
This is a symbolic declaration of the nature of the relationship between God and His people. You see, if we are the people of God, we belong completely to God. And so this is a reminder that what God saves from death, Numbers 3.13, belongs to Him. And He's reminding the people, tell your children, because you belong to Me. I paid for you. I saved you. The second is this consecration of the firstborn. It's a declaration of the permanence of this belonging. Each generation is reminded that they belong to God. It is not a claim that lands only on the people who were specifically rescued from Egypt. It is every person in the family of God. And that claim goes from generation to to generation. And thirdly, it's a moment where we encounter worship. In the midst of a time when we think something should be happening, maybe more tangible, more physical, God says, I want you to rest in my presence. Worship is the heart, the issue the key and the destiny of God's people. He's reminding them that regardless of what happens, regardless of how things may seem to you, everything points back to your relationship with me. Come into my presence. Worship is at the heart of the commissioning of Moses. It's at the heart of the message that he brings to Pharaoh. It's at issue in the power struggle between Pharaoh and God. Who will we worship? Worship is the key to Israel's protection. It's the destiny of the people. And there is no part of their life that will not be influenced and affected by worship. It is how they are to live the story. The theme of this week's message is unshackling your future. And it's interesting to me that we don't actually know the name of Pharaoh. History tells us many names of the kings. But this one is nameless. Throughout the entirety of the Exodus passages, we never know his name. I think it's because Pharaoh doesn't represent a person. In this context, he represents a system. Like ancient Israel, and I would argue ancient Egypt, both peoples were under bondage of this system. They lived in a system that demanded allegiance to an idea, to a person, to a way of being that steered them away from their creator. There is no doubt that the people of Israel were under oppression. But the people of Egypt were also under oppression. And God wants to reform our perspectives. 
I wonder what would have happened if Pharaoh had submitted to the authority of God. Would we have the war we're having right now in the Middle East? God wants us to be free from this system. Because this system promises more than it delivers. It seduces us with an image of goodness and it is in direct competition with God for our loyalty and our love. Another story to illustrate this point. During the earthly ministry of Jesus, he crossed over the Sea of Galilee and he came to this place where he was confronted by a man who was possessed by demons. During this encounter, he cast these demons out into a herd of pigs. They thundered down the hill, drowned themselves in the sea, and the people were incensed and asked Jesus to leave. This man was creating havoc. He was violent against the people. And instead of seeing the freedom brought about for everybody in the healing and salvation of this man, they were caught. They were trapped. They too were possessed by the power of a system that was holding them in bondage. Jesus unshackled the future of this man. He wanted to unshackle the future of all the people but they declined and told him to go. Jesus wants to unshackle our future. He wants to lead us to the promise. He wants us to have a future. He does this first by reminding us that we belong to God. Jesus paid the price. He redeemed us from death. And so now, numbers three, we belong to him. What God has rescued from death belongs to God. We become an eternal possession of the creator. Second, Jesus is the firstborn. He was the firstborn of Mary, the firstborn of all creations, Colossians 1.15. Creation is his, is his inheritance, Hebrew 1.2. He is the firstborn among the dead, Colossians 1.18. It is through his resurrection that humanity receives the guarantee of eternal life for all who place their trust in him. He is the firstborn that guarantees the generations. In Jesus, we belong to God for all eternity. And thirdly, worship is at the heart of the issue. Worship is at the heart of our calling and our commission into the family of God, into the mission of God, into the work that He has called us to do. Worship is at the heart of the message, the gospel of Jesus that declares a freedom from the bondage of a system that is lying to us. Worship is at issue in the power struggle between the pharaohs of this world and the God who loves us and wants us to be free. Worship is the key to our protection. Worship is 
our destiny. There is no part of our lives unaffected by worship. Our unshackling is directly connected to what or to whom we worship. God wants us to be free. Like Israel, we too are a people of memory and hope. And it is memory of that hope that is brought to us in worship. When we worship Jesus, we remember. But like Israel, we too are a people who tend to forget and fall off the path. And when we forget, the same thing happens that happened to them. We lose the plot. We forget who we are and who we belong to. When we forget who we are, we forget our mission and our future becomes shackled. We remain in bondage. When we worship, we remember and our future is unshackled. And I want to get deeply practical here. There are four challenges right now taking place in our community, in this church that I'm hearing from you. I'm hearing about health challenges. I'm hearing about strained relationships and estrangement. I'm hearing about difficult work situations. And I'm hearing about a struggle with change and transition as life brings about disruption. If you're like me, you desire action. You want something tangible. And in crisis, I think that is an absolutely understandable desire. In each of these situations, it has been my own experience, personally and in doing ministry with others, there is a higher risk of forgetting who we are and whose we are when we're in those moments. And when we forget, our future becomes shackled and we become mired down in the moment and the oppression of the things that we're experiencing. Worship takes our eyes off of ourselves and off of the situation running in front of us and it puts our eyes back where they belong on Jesus. So don't just do something. Stand there. Take a moment. Worship. Pause. Look to see where God is at work and remember what is worth remembering. Jesus died so that we can be free. I can't help but think of new moms. Changing diapers in the midst of the deep blessing and challenge that comes with a newborn child. In the stupor of sleeplessness, in the slipping away of the sense of self, in the early morning cries, it is easy to forget to worship. But here is the truth. This is worship. It is the, one of the purest forms of worship. In the work of blessing your child, in the sacrifice and the grief-tinged joy, you are worshiping. In these moments, it is easy to feel shackled, 
to lose the plot, to get off the path. And it is the same when we are in moments of health challenges, strained relationships, difficulties at work, or when we are find ourselves in moments of transition. When our eyes are on Jesus, each of those present opportunities of worship in action. Can even be in moments of triumph, moments when we think we have it all figured out. Even here, we can easily forget to worship. Not just doing something, but standing there in the presence of Jesus where we are reminded of who and whose we are. And that, dear friends, is our future unshackled. Let's pray. Lord, your Son, the firstborn of all creation, died so that we could be free died so that we could be reminded, died so that our allegiance could be restored back to You and not on the systems of this world that demand from us more than they give. Lord, regardless of where we are, regardless of what is happening in our lives, good or challenging, I pray, Lord, we could take today, take moments throughout our day where we don't just do something, but we stand there and we worship. And we are in those moments, Lord, that we would be mindful of Your presence and the way You're working out Your kingdom activities right there in our own lives. Lord, I pray that you would unshackle our futures and lead us to the promised land. Lord, for those who don't know you, I pray, Lord, they would call out your voice, call out your name, and that, Lord, they too could be set free from the pharaohs of this world. We ask you this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.